Welcome to the First Church Podcast. I'm the host, Pastor Josh. Uh, this podcast exists to help some of the get, get out some of the latest information we have about First Church and to introduce you to some interesting people and topics. We will talk about topics generally helpful for those in our congregation, but we also uh, believe that what we talk about will be helpful to the church at large. If you are listening, we hope that you will find this information useful. Uh, not a lot of, uh, of announcements today. If you are watching on Facebook, hey, Facebook. <laughs> and uh, if you are um, interested in who we are as a church, uh, too, I just want to invite you to our church. We begin at 7, or 7, yeah. We begin on Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. Um, and then we also have a lot of small groups. We call them growth groups. And so if you're more interested in kind of starting uh, in a smaller setting and more comfortable with that, uh, you can check out our small groups and maybe um, we can find a place for you to kind of start there. Uh, this evening or afternoon, uh, I want to welcome Scott Stedman. Uh, if you're a part of our church, you know Scott kind of as the treasurer. Uh, to me, I know him as a friend. Uh, he's often an advisor. He's a part of our steward board, which acts kind of like as a board of trustees. Uh, he's worked with the youth throughout um, his life here at the church. He's been a marriage counselor to some. Uh, yeah, I know uh, a number of people. Scary. Who, yeah, scary. It's, it's kind of scary, to be honest. No, I've actually recommended him to uh, help some couples out that were going through similar situations that uh, he's gone through in his life. Um, and, uh, so, uh, really thankful for all of those things that he does. He's a grandfather. He's a father. Uh, he's a husband to the wonderful Becky Stedman, who is our communications director here and has played the piano here and just an awesome lady. And he's, uh, the father of a pastor as well. And so I, I tell you all of these things because, uh, Scott really lives out his faith. And today we're going to talk about a topic that I, I believe that he would tell you, actually, he says this all the time when he talks in front of the church about this topic or teaches classes about this topic, uh, that really your finances and your money and how you spend and how you give and if you're generous or if you're not generous has everything to do with your, your faith, really, or it has more to do with your faith than actually your finances. And so today uh, we are going to talk about finances with Scott uh, for um, uh, a very good reason, I think. It's because uh, Scott's a CFO, he's a CPA, and uh, he understands money fairly well. Uh, so, Scott, I want to welcome you. And uh, I want you to go ahead and um, tell me a little bit about your background in, in finance, and then we'll get into some more maybe biographical information. Sure. Uh, as far as finance, um, I went to uh, college in my hometown, and uh, I was always good with numbers, so I just kind of went into accounting. Had a lady that was uh, kind of encouraged me in that. She recognized I probably had some talent in there, so I went into accounting and uh, did, did fairly well with that. Went in, I worked for, uh, at the time it was Dwight Hassons and Sells. That back in my day, it was one of the big eight accounting firms. Uh, and there I worked in uh, their small business unit, which was uh, really good for me because it forced me to be more involved in taxes. Also, um, working with a lot of small entrepreneurs. So I got to see a variety of different things. And so that kind of set that from, from the finance. And from that, I, I was able to uh, work with a couple guys that were really, really charitable minded business owners and got me thinking a lot about different things, you know, about how they manage things and uh, the power of what you can do if you manage your finances as well. Um, not that I always have, but uh, it gave me some good insight into uh, 
how money can be very helpful or also how money can be very um, hurtful. Because um, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen some uh, business owners that have really screwed their kids up with money. And I've seen some that have helped their children very well with money. So you have to always look at the generational issues of that. And so that's kind of like my background in finance. Yeah, that's 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 good and helpful. Your son, uh, Scott Jr., is commenting on Facebook right now. And he said, this is super scary that you're on here. <laughs> I don't disagree, Scott. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm scared about this interview yeah. as well. So I, He used to think that uh, CPA stood for cheap penny-pitching accountant. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he couldn't get a penny from me, you know. <laughs> that, that, that makes perfect sense. So, well, tell me, you know, you talk about uh, you've, you know, you've made financial mistakes yourself, uh, all of those sorts of things. Um, and... Uh, I think we all have and all sometimes do continually do those make mistakes. Uh, right now, you're you're a CFO of a company that is doing fairly well, mm-hmm. um, but you haven't always been a CFO and you haven't always mm-hmm. uh, been w- what some would consider, I guess, comfortable uh, financially. Mm-hmm. And so talk a little bit about your history. Well, uh, it all started, you know, growing up in rural Iowa. Um, and my dad was uh, a tradesman. I mean, he was a meat cutter. I don't know much about meat cutting industry, but they don't make a whole lot of money. So um, my mom never worked. We had seven kids in the family. And I felt a lot of the pressure financially. I seen where they couldn't make ends meet. And um, I saw my dad struggle with that, trying to provide for his family and and uh, make sure everybody was fed and clothed. and. Uh, so yeah, that, that had a profound impact on me to, to this day. Even when I sit and talk with my one sister, we were talking one time about how she sometimes really uh, stresses about money and whether or not she's gonna have enough. And, and I think if you were raised in that, it, it, can, it can cause you to become a hoarder um, and do some other things. And it, it can leave an impression. If you're raised poor and you're, and I wish my parents maybe would have not shared so much in front of their children mm. about it. Yeah. Because it did have an impact, I think, on almost every one of my, my siblings. It, would, it had an impact on. And um, and then when we were, when my wife and I were first married, um, no sooner, about three weeks before we got married, I got laid off. And we came back from her honeymoon and the company she was working for, she was working for a nonprofit. They laid her off because they didn't want to pay for her health care. And so we were newly married, no job. They wouldn't give her unemployment. They fought unemployment. I mean, and it was tough. You know, it was really, really tough. And uh, and then you compound that with other young things. Um, I never was taught how to manage money. So early on, um, we didn't know how to manage money at all. Yeah. We just lived from paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes paycheck just wasn't enough. So yeah, my wife and I had a, a lot of things. We also had a a, a fire uh, in our mobile home when we were married and lost everything and didn't mm-hmm. have insurance, yeah. uh, at least not adequate insurance, which really set us back. As I, I was going to school full-time, working full-time, had that impact. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stressful things, and it took us many years to uh, to pull out of that. So yeah, it's we, we've really struggled. But, you know, once you start what I'd say with anybody is you can only go so far down, right? Yeah. And 
but if you, you never forget the fact that even though I saw my dad, um, even though he struggled, he'd be generous with people. And that's why I think where I learned it. He would help people, even if he didn't have money to give them, he would do what he could to help them. Um, I've seen him pull things out of, uh, out of our garden, things that we could have used to feed our family and give it away because other people needed, you know, meals and wanted to feel like he could feed them and that's something tangible he could do even if he didn't have money. I think that's kind of like the, uh, the thing that I found. Um, gener generosity, I think, can be taught. And even though it's hard, you just got to look for those, even those small opportunities to, to find ways to show your children, grandchildren generosity. And I also saw that from a couple of my uncles. Mm -hmm. They were generous. Um, they always supported the church. I grew up in a church that was, tend to be a lot legalistic standpoint. So some yeah. of their giving was more legalistic. Um, but still, it sets up the, the dynamic that, hey, you always need to give outside of yourself. So yeah. that's kind of a little bit of the background where I come from. Hasn't always been easy. I mean, there was times back in the day we didn't know what we were going to do. Yeah. So it was pretty pretty hard and sometimes, yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you talked a little bit um, about uh, principles maybe to share with your kids or things not to share with your children. You know, I've got young children right now. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, you wonder, okay, what should I be doing for them? What shouldn't I be doing for them? And, you know, the, with the mean, with what I have and what I don't have at the moment, um, what, what do you, how do you recommend doing some of that? Well, I, I think as anything else, um, I'd say in, in every aspect of your life, you just need to be transparent, um, and just be honest and say, listen, no, we're, we're not going to do this. They, kids, adults, everybody, they, there's always things they want, mm -hmm. right? And there's things that you have to tell them, like, no, you're not going to get this. We don't have it. Even if you do have it, I, and, and to be honest, yes, I do have it, but you're still not going to get it. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily good for you to have. And, and then be able to teach them and also teach them how they help other people. That's the other thing. Um, so when it comes to slowly starting to teach your kids money, let them see you be generous. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let them also see that you'd really like something and you sacrifice and don't get something mm -hmm. right it's all about leading by example you can you can teach more that than just by instruction let them let them see um, as soon as you can talk to your your children uh, all the way through even as an adults I mean I periodically talk to my adult children let them know this is what's going to happen estate time when yeah. when you know after I pass from this worth the things that I want to do I freely talk to them and saying this is what you're going to get this is what you're not going to get. Why? This is why there's going to be some things there for charity. I want you to carry on after I'm gone um, and giving them instructions. So you have to let people know um, a, a couple of things. I think when you're, when you're talking about these things, if you have a need, you got to let people know there's a need mm -hmm. so that they can respond. Okay. You have to be able to have all those conversations with your kids, whether you need something, whether you're going to give something, whether it's, you're going to be generous. Uh, reasons why you don't do certain things, mm -hmm. um, why you manage the 90% after the tithe and how you do that. It, it's all about really communicating and just letting them know and living a transparent life and not from a legalistic standpoint, but why and the why is behind that, why we do what we do, um, why it's essential to our faith to give, to be generous beyond the tithe. Those are all things you just have to share. Yeah, that's that's good. We we probably Emily and I are probably not doing as good a job as we can with this, but we do have, you know, we have those uh, 
piggy banks that actually I think they're Dave Ramsey piggy banks, but they have mm -hmm. the section for spending, saving, and giving. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of funny to watch Judah try to take his money out of his giving to go buy Pokemon cards and all that <laughs> fun stuff. <laughs> so yeah, we're working. We we are working on, on that point. Uh, in that part. And then, you know, we, we were talking, uh, we, we've been doing a week kind of on finances here at the church and we were talking with a young lady in our group, uh, parents in our group and just this, you know, how difficult it is to tell your child no inside of a mm -hmm. store and how, how it's just easier sometimes to give in mm -hmm. and just buy them whatever they want, whenever they throw that fit, even if you don't have the means to do so mm -hmm. or, or didn't plan to, or, you know, didn't want to at the yeah. moment. Uh, and so, but one of the things, I've seen that before, and one of the things, uh, I didn't get a chance to do it with my kids because I didn't know about it till after, but I'm a, I'm big now about always making sure you give your children some kind of an allowance, making because then you teach them. Then if they're throwing the the big fit in the store, I want to buy that and say, do you have money to buy? Yeah. Do you have money in your bank? We can get home, and then if you don't have it, then what you can do is say, okay, you wanted it. Now you can talk about debt. Okay, I gave you this money. Now you got to pay it back. So you give them their allowance and say, ah, remember, you owe me. Huh. Give it back. Yeah, that's good. So now they see, oh, I got what I wanted, but now, oh, now I got to pay for it. See, nobody likes to pay for something after they get it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. hard, right? Yeah. So if they're really doing it, it says, okay, we've talked, if you want that, you can have that. We'll buy it. This is what it's going to cost. And then make sure that you follow through with taking the money back. It's the hard thing is the following through part of it. But, yeah. But just doing it and teaching. At the same time, you can also teach them about grace and, okay, you owe me $10. I tell you what, because you've been doing certain things, you can reward, you can you can extend grace. Okay, I'll cut that in half. There's a lot of different lessons you can teach once you get into that aspect with, with money. And I always say, don't just do it about money. Try to translate it over to another, another principle you want to tie it to, faith, forgiveness, grace, you know, um, you know, bondage or whatever you want to, however you want to do these things, these are the things that you, you have an opportunity to teach. I think that's why there's so many different scriptures about money possessions is God has used those to be able to teach us other core principles when it comes to that. That's good. So on that topic, I really was planning on kind of starting with this, but with your bio and some of the other things that we got into, I just kind of jumped into some discussion, other discussion. Um, but here's here's a question for you just to give us some perspective and um, for us to remember of how important this topic is, is why do we even need to talk about money uh, in the church? Well, everybody uses it <laughs> for good or bad, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it, and if you're faithful to what the Bible says, the Bible, the number one thing it talks about is money and possessions. Hmm. If you, you do that categorically, more than love, more than hell, more than heaven— you know, um, you have to talk about it because it's the one area you're going to struggle. And it's the number one thing that leads to relationship issues. Mm. Um, they say that the, there's two main reasons for divorce, okay, finances and infidelity. I would tend to say if you look at behind the infidelity, it started with finance because they grew apart because they couldn't figure out finance. Yeah. You throw that in. The number one thing that destroys families is finances. So yeah, it's important to talk about it, right? Um, part of talking about money is, you know, it's not, I, I've seen millionaires spend money and not have anything to show for it. And I've seen poor people 
who have saved money and have given sacrificially and have been able to give more to charity than rich people. Now, how does that all work? Well, it all sets up, you know, what are your priorities? And the other thing is, do you allow, are you content with what God puts in your path, right? Mm-hmm. You have to learn at some point in time to say, content, what are you doing? When, when you look at acquiring something, if you don't have a mission behind it, if you don't have a plan for how this could benefit, yes, yourself, but if you can't benefit others, then why are you spending the, the money for that? Why are you doing it? If you don't have some kind of a kingdom agenda for how you're spending your money when it comes to that discretionary thing, whether it's giving it away or buying something that might be able to, to help out, um, one of the things I do is I, I loan my things out. Okay, somebody needs, I have trailers and other things. If somebody needs to borrow them to move something. Now you're going to be getting phone calls every day. Yeah, but you got to be wise with yeah. it too. Um, you know, because God gave it. Yeah. You know, you're the steward of everything you have. So those are God's trailers. I want to make sure God's trailers or God's tools or God's anything is used correctly. Yeah. And if they're not used correctly, you're not gonna. I'm not gonna loan those out um, again because you want to make sure they're available to whatever you need to do to help people. So I, that's what I would say is, you know, everything you do, it's got to be pointed to, to helping people from that standpoint. Yeah. Emily and I have tried to have that perspective that everything we have belongs to God. And so mm-hmm. it makes us, it, it, the way we use our house, the way we use our vehicles, everything, um, it just changes that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it even well, like Harley's mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, just I haven't ridden your Harley. I have to admit, I have borrowed other things from you, but I've never borrowed your Harley. So, and Becky will let me ride on the back of hers every once in a while. That's kind of fun. I'm not perfect, okay? I still have a couple struggles. Yeah. (laughs) So that's that's good. But yeah, I found you to be very generous with your things. Um, whenever I've needed to borrow something, and I've seen others do do that as well, and I feel like that's just a good point to make. That it all belongs to God, okay. and uh, so we are we are stewards of it. Actually, to, to be where I learned that lesson was from Sam Caustic in our church. Believe it or not, he was telling me one time. He probably doesn't even remember. We were talking about every American has a shovel. Everybody, he says, in Romania, not so much. You don't need. Not everybody has to have a shovel. I could have a shovel. My neighbor could have a rake because if I need the rake, I go borrow it from my neighbor. Huh. So it, yeah. it's a whole different worldview when you're coming from. Some where people don't have as much, we think we have to have everything. Yeah. And if you just like, well, you know, not everybody can afford everything. So why would you want to lend that out? Mm-hmm. So it gave me a different mindset. Um, that something that that Sam taught me in that regard. So, yeah, that's that's a good lesson learned. Good thing yeah. to remember. Everybody has a shovel. Why yeah. does everybody need a shovel? Why does everybody need a shovel? You can borrow yeah. your neighbor's shovel. Yeah. Right? That's. I, I mean, yeah. it, it got me thinking differently, but. You know, from our pride and our own self-sufficiency as Americans, right? We want to do everything ourselves. We don't want to be beholden to anybody. We don't want to owe anybody anything. So, you know, we just want it all for ourselves. You know, yeah, kind of thing. And yeah. it's something that's not scriptural. Yeah, know? we gotta we gotta break that and learn how to work together a little bit more. Hmm. Yeah, th- that's 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 good. <laughs> So we're going to talk about generosity here and maybe even tithing. I haven't looked up the numbers recently, uh, but I think, I think on, in general, you may know that Americans might give away, I think on average, around 2% of their income 
to charity or so forth. I think if you're in the evangelical church or kind of a, a Bible-believing church or a church that teaches tithing, you give up to almost 3% away. So <laughs> you give a little it's, more, it's maybe five, more. Okay, 5%. Five, five. Five. Five it, it, it'd be 5%. Uh -huh. okay. But uh -huh. here's the thing that most people don't know um, is if when you take the classification of religion in, in Christian background, you strip away and say whether you're church or not church. If you if you identify as mm -hmm. Christian, even though it's a cultural Christian, yeah. Christians by far, other than any other group of people, give more to support organizations than by far than any other category. Yeah, I've read a number so, of books that basically just kind of say if if you take if if Christianity were to die, so so would charities. Yeah. Um, basically, because the majority of your charitable giving yeah. comes from Christians and or Christian churches. Yeah. That, that um, and, yeah. and Jewish, yeah. and, which is, yeah. you know, the That's predecessors right. of Christianity, if you yes. will. But yeah. those two, as, as a, mm -hmm. when you consider both of those groups, yeah. um, the amount of money that is given to charities, you think about all the hospitals that wouldn't be here. You think about a lot of the universities that were started by Christian people. You, you just... Go back through and think of everything that started off with it as a Christian charity. Um, you know, it, it would stagger the imagination of, of how much. And then a lot of these cultural ones, your Lions Club and some of the other ones, they were started not necessarily as Christian mm -hmm. things, but they're fueled by a lot of that Christian charity mentality of how to help and how to serve. Yeah. So it comes right out of that that same kind of ven venue. So. Yeah. Um, and so those are good things to be reminded of. Now, at our church, we we encourage people to tithe. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just we just do. We're not dogmatic about it. You know, we're no. not. We're not legalistic. Check, yeah, we're not, not legalistic. I'm, I'm not a legalistic. Yeah, fan. that's probably a better way to put it. Um, but we do encourage it. Uh, we actually we ask all of our leaders to tithe. And mm -hmm. so if you're an elder, or if you're a steward, um, we ask every elder and steward to tithe. And if they fall in hard times, right? We we you know we we certainly understand. And to be honest, we're not checking hardly no, every week no. or whatever, but we do check to see, make sure our leaders are givers because mm -hmm. we want to know if, if we're going to be leading some a group of people in something, we want to be willing right. to do it. Right. I know that's how I've always been. It's not that you can do everything as a leader, but that's one thing that you can do. Well, and I also think uh, that if you're going to be making decisions of the where the money is being spent in the church, you should be somewhat of a significant contributor to yeah. that. Why would you be get to make decisions? And not always this way in every other social organization is a lot of times people will be elected positions. They don't put a nickel in, and yet they're making decisions on how those funds are spent. I think you need to be very careful with that. And if you're not invested with your pocketbook, why should you be invested in some other areas? Yeah, and a so, tithe doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be one of the larger givers in the no, church or anything yeah. like that. Uh, it just mm -hmm. implies that hey, you you're are you willing, are making you're, you're making a gift based yeah. on what what you earn and so forth, and you're willing to support. And it's and just it's as regular, much of a sacrifice for you, if not more. And than it's regular and consistent. More. Yeah, regular and consistent is what we look for. Yeah. It, exactly. And, and so we, we don't just challenge the leaders to do it. We actually challenge our entire congregation mm -hmm. to tithe. It's just it's just what it's just what we do. Um, and one of the reasons why we do that mm -hmm. just to get, is isn't because God needs the money. Yeah. It really is. The reason you encourage people to tithe is to break the bondage of materialism in their life. If you consciously are going to give 10% away, that means I'm focused on living on 90. I'm expecting God to make the 90 last like the 100. 
and it puts me in the mind, okay, I need to learn to be content. Mm -hmm. So if you can break that materialism, that selfishness, break that by giving 10% away and focus on how God's going to show up to make the difference, that's what fuels that faith journey. Yeah. I've never had anybody that's been a tithe ever said, come up to me and say, boy, I wish you didn't a tithe. Mm. And never yeah. once have ever, I've heard people say, I wish I could give more. I've never heard anybody say, I wish I could give less. Yeah. I yeah. have never heard it. Why? It's because when you get into the habit, and it's a good habit, so habits are good, um, or can be good, and that is you want to breed that that generosity thing. You want to you just make that part of your life. And knowing that, hey, I'm going to live on the 90%. I'm going to be content. I'm going to be satisfied. I'm not going to chase after anything. This is what I'm going to do to, as a discipline. And that's, that's what you should be doing. That's that's more for why I would encourage it, because I want people to have a stronger faith. I want them to see how God can show up and do things miraculously. And the other thing I'd say, beyond the tithe, I would love everybody to put money aside so that when there is a need in the church, somebody struggling, that they would say, oh, I can give $200 to help that person through that crisis. Imagine yeah. what that'd be for every pastor to know he has 30 or 40 people that have money sitting around his savings account, that when there's a need that he becomes aware in the church, he can't tap, you know, mm -hmm. nine, 10 people and say, yeah. we have this need here. We need to help this family. And to be able to do that, what does that say about true Christianity and the love of Christ and the love of Christian believers to help meet the tangible needs instead of just say, I'll pray for you. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the difference between almost planned giving or planned generosity and spontaneous as well. And then mm -hmm. being ready to, to give and, and yeah. to help in, in that way, I think is really important. Um, you know, when we talk about a tithe, for those people who don't know, we're, t we're asking obviously people to give 10%. We talked about that. Yeah. That's what kind of a tithe means. Um, and you've, you've encouraged people, Hey, just start somewhere. Start giving 8%. Yeah. If you, if you can't give hey, if it's 1%, start there. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like what I tell people with 401 case, you know, at work and I don't have the money and yeah. I get it from a lot of the hourly guys. I said, well, every year you get a pay increase. So every year I want you to, if you get a two to 3% pay increase, give 1% yeah. into your, into your Roth or tech before you know it, you'll be. Mm -hmm. at the full amount that the company's funding. You will be there. You just have to discipline yourself to do it. The same thing. As you start moving along, commit to it and say, God, okay, I'm going to start here. Challenge me down the road. God will challenge you at the right time, and he'll provide what he's asking you to do. I really believe that. Um, I, I believe that 100%. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it work in lots of lives. So Yeah, that. That's good, you know, and and ten percent does seem so much if you're not used to giving right. away. It yeah. seems like a lot, oh, and it is if you're not used, right especially especially if you've budgeted other well, places. And then, and the other thing know. I would say, the the reason they don't is because they're so strapped. Otherwise, the other thing I would say also is God doesn't want you to default on any obligations you have. If you have, and that's something I looked at. I had I was spending a lot of money on a lot of things that I wanted. Um, and so when God asked me to do that, that means, oh, all right, I need to quickly pay these things back, pay these things off so I can get in a position to do these mm -hmm. things, right? God wants us to honor all of our commitments, and that includes that. I wouldn't want anybody to to uh, quit, not not tithe, or, or start tithing and not pay their bills that they owe somebody. Yeah. That's evil. Yeah. The yeah. Bible calls that, you know, yeah. to borrow and not repay is evil. Yeah. So 
that isn't a good Christian witness. Mm -hmm. So God would rather you honor those commitments, honor those things that you've done, and then slowly start trusting him to go into there. So, you know, pray about it, start small, and at the same time, be prepared that God's going to challenge you, start working your way to get out of debt. It's, it's got to go hand in hand. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I know I, I shared this a little bit with the congregation. When I came in under, undergrad, I, you know, I had $30,000 worth of debt. Um, I bought a house and I went to grad school all at the same time, you know, so I had all of this going on and I hate debt. Um, and so I, I, I'm okay kind of with my mortgage or mortgages or whatever that might be if I've got income coming in for them or no, I, I can pay my own mortgage mm -hmm. and so forth. But like personally, like I hate car payments. I hate, I hate to owe on, on anything and that college debt was just hanging over my head. Yeah. And then I knew I was going to have to pay for grad school and all those sorts of things. Yeah. It just, it just felt like a weight. And, but, you know, I, I found ways to make sure that I continue to give to the church mm -hmm. uh, and continue like a tithe, you know, yeah. and um, with my first job and so forth, it just meant my diet was pretty simple. Right? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get to go. I didn't go out to eat very often. Right. Yeah. I didn't buy a new, I never bought yeah. a new car, um, any of those sorts of things. And, and I've always been taken care of. I mean, I can, I've always felt like I had family mm -hmm. that if I fell on hard times or, you know, needed to move back home or whatever, which is a huge blessing to, yeah. to be able to do that and to know that. And I understand that some people don't have that. Yeah. Um, but I also think that it's, it's a good thing, you know, to simplify our lives sometimes if we need to, yeah. to make sure that we're able to be generous because the, the scriptures are very clear in the way that Christians are supposed yeah. to behave with their money. And it is to show generosity. Yeah. And it, it, uh, it sometimes can be hard to do that. Uh, if you are are trying to live beyond yeah. your means, yeah. And mm -hmm. the thing you talk about this is, there's really two things that, well, really one one thing that you're allowed to borrow for, and that is for investments. Mm -hmm. So if you think yeah. about it, college, you're investing in your future. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, depending on what degree you're pursuing, <laughs> yeah. I guess, but that's yeah. a, that's a whole other issue. Or or like a house, okay, or investment. If you're borrowing for those investments, as long as the cash flow works, there's nothing wrong. Borrowing for things that depreciate in value, you got to be very careful with. Now, I know to get an automobile is a big ticket item, yeah. but, um, you know, coming and taking my class, I'll put a plug in for it. I can teach <sighs> you how very quickly how you could be paying cash for your cars. Yeah. There's a discipline that you need to do. One of them is, you know, you don't always have to buy new. Mm -hmm. If you can afford new, okay. But if not, how do you do that? And how can you break the cycle of always having to have a car payment? Either you can do this, um, it, but it just takes planning. So like anything else, it all takes, takes, uh, takes a little bit of planning. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, we, we've, we've, we've encouraged people to tithe. We've encouraged people to give, to be generous, just to kind of live a, a lifestyle of generosity, mm -hmm. to, to give to the church. And one of the reasons, I'll, I'll just, theological reasons I believe that we should give to the church is, is that, well, it's the body of Christ and, and Christ loves his church. Mm -hmm. uh, we do see the tithe being mentioned in the New Testament. I, we never see Jesus being dogmatic about it or anything, but you mentioned in the book of Hebrews as they talk about Melchizedek and so forth as they talk about him and kind of imply that Abraham gave him 10% and so forth, the, the Jewish people who were becoming Christians at that point in time would have assumed potentially to bring a tithe. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus, uh, we talked about this this Sunday, I want to talk about Jesus. Own, this is I found this really interesting, and I had never really thought about this. I, well, I'm sure I had maybe, but just came back to it as we were revisiting this. But Jesus only one time uh, actually tells somebody to give a specific amount. 
and that was mm-hmm. to the rich young ruler. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, the rich young ruler was talking about how he followed all the commandments. And Jesus was like, hey, that's great. Good job. Uh, obviously, I'm sure he had broken some. But as a general rule of thumb, the rich mm-hmm. young ruler was fairly obedient and able to probably do good in the eyes of a lot of people. And Jesus looks at the rich young ruler and he says, hey, you, you've forgotten to do or you need to do one thing. And the rich young ruler says, well, what is that? And he says, you need to, to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And uh, the Bible says that the rich young ruler went away uh, sad. And uh, it's implied that that he, he didn't do it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus was getting at is that money was his idol, right? It right. was his God. It was the one thing that he really wasn't willing to give up uh, to follow Christ. And yeah. then kind of following up on that, uh, he, he basically then commends three different people for giving after that. One is actually right after the story where... He commends not necessarily the giving of money, but the giving of their lives uh, to him, which implied that these men had given money because they they had left their jobs and everything that they had to follow Jesus. He called them to do that. And these were the apostles. And they said, well, like, well, uh, what does this mean for us? Because we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus says, well, what it means for you is that you're going to inherit the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. that that because you've given up everything and decided to follow, follow me with everything that you have, um, heaven belongs to you. And uh, another time he commends people for giving or someone for giving is, is the uh, widow's offering where the Pharisees, they're giving a good bit and the widow walks up and she gives everything uh, into the mm-hmm. offering there at the temple. And uh, Jesus again says that, that she is the one who's going to basically inherit the kingdom of God. And then the third time is really interesting to me is that uh, he, is, he is in Matthew 23 Jesus is just getting on the Pharisees. Like he is, he is letting them know how he really feels about their hearts and their deeds, and how what they say they believe uh, does not line up with actually what is what is being portrayed in their hearts and what they were doing. But he he talks about hey you tithe uh, and so forth, and he he kind of stops after he's saying only pretty much bad things about the Pharisees, and he said oh you ought to have tithed, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law like justice and so forth. Uh, so he actually commends. Mm-hmm. He actually says, "Hey, that's a good thing that you did." Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesus never. Uh, Jesus actually takes kind of tithing to another level, as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. He says, "Well, first off, everything belongs to me, mm-hmm. uh, and I might call you to give up everything, uh, not just a tenth, but a tenth is also a, it's a good thing mm-hmm. uh, because you are making a sacrifice and you are giving and you are giving giving to the Lord, uh, and so." You know, I, I think it's just a really good thing for people to do if they're going to follow Christ is to, to pray about starting to tithe. And I, I encourage people to tithe to their local church where they're fed, right? The storehouse in Malachi. Uh, uh, but, you know, if you're not if you're not going to do that, be generous somewhere, yeah. right? I mean, give yeah. to something or someone. There, there are plenty of charities out there and people doing real work uh, to, to either help the poor or the suffering or the hurting. Uh, and if you're a Christian, those things those things cannot be ignored. Like you can't read yeah. the Bible and just say like, oh yeah, I don't really need to give. Yeah. Well, you, one of the, you don't really see this in the Bible, but early I, I love history, and one of the things that I, I found about um, the early church is they routinely fasted, mm-hmm. and when they fasted, it wasn't like we fast today. Right? It stays kept in the refrigerator. I mean, if you don't eat your daily bread, that daily bread gets dry and crusty 
what they would actually do is when they would fast a day, they would take that food portion they have and they would give it so that other people could be fed. So with that, fasting was a dual thing. Mm. It was fasting plus generosity. Now, what does that look like for us today? What is there that you would like to have that you could deny yourself? Yeah. That you could then set that money aside for some need that might need to be met is another way of doing it. What are the things that you could deny yourself and have a, and be able to do that? It, again, it all comes back to planning. How do you how do you consciously develop the spirit of generosity, and how do you go about do that so that you will be there? That there's nothing that is is a high in my mind. If you want if you want true euphoria, is when God talks to you and then your wife comes up and she says, hey, I've been thinking, and all of a sudden you're both like, whoa, God has talked to Becky and God has talked to me and we meet. <laughs> she says, I was thinking, I was thinking the same. And then being able, because you planned this, you planned ahead, now you have the ability to take this money and do something for somebody, as you know, becomes a need that God, even if you're not sure about it, you know, I've had, you know, I like to do most of the stuff anonymous. I usually do it, give something to the church, have either pastor or somebody call or give it to another and say, just need to make sure this money gets to where it needs to be. Um, and just watch and hear, hey, I don't know why God's prompting us to do this. And then just to listen back uh, to the story of exactly how that, I mean, there's nothing better in the world yeah. than to know that you've been faithful and this and that you've and uh, you've truly been blessed to be able to do this. That God God trusts you and blesses you so you can bless others. That is that is a remarkable way to live. Remarkable way to live. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, you know, you talked about planning your giving, which is a uh, an important thing. And so maybe talk about uh, budgeting your giving. And how important that is. You talked about it a, a little bit, but you know, a lot of times if we don't budget, we it'll just disappear <laughs> on us, right? We'll we'll buy that thing that maybe we shouldn't, and then also maybe the importance of budgeting budgeting generosity on, on the front end, yeah. um, or giving on the front end. I, I was talking to, and two things that you know come to mind is we were, I was talking to a young man who took your class, and he just said, you know, the principles of first, like we give, I give to God first, and so mm -hmm. I give my tithe first. Um, I give the, my first thoughts in the morning to God. And so I said, mm -hmm. before I get on Instagram or whatever, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm reading my Bible uh, and, and so forth. And I know for Emily and I, I talked about this a little bit on, on Sunday. Uh, we, we, we probably could use to, to, to be better at communicating. Um, but there are some <laughs> things we don't talk about intentionally, mm -hmm. or, or I guess not intentionally, um, but we've never really had, yeah, somewhat intentionally. Like we don't talk about divorce. Like that's mm -hmm. something that we just don't talk about um, with each other, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you know, we've never we've never had a conversation about giving less mm -hmm. uh, than we've budgeted, or then we kind of plan to for the next year, or giving less than ten percent even away. But we have had conversations about giving more, mm -hmm. uh, and so sometimes we're trying to work that into our budget and trying to figure that out on what we have to do to to make that happen. And so, how do you encourage people maybe to go about that? Well, the first thing, I, I, I hate the word budget because mm -hmm. everybody thinks, well, I'm on a budget. It's very restrictive, right? 
even when you think about church budgets, we get a budget. Well, you can't spend that because it's not in the budget. Well, <clears throat> budgets are were always designed to be a guideline, a forecast of if everything works out, this is how we want to. It's it's a budget is how do you prioritize? Okay, so I'll throw another term out there. It's not original with me. I can't remember where I picked it up, but you have to have a map. Everybody knows what a map is. Okay, if you want to go someplace, you pull up a map. All right, mm -hmm. tells you how to get there. Think of a map. A budget is a map. Forget the word budget. Say, I got to have a personal map. Okay, and a map is a money allocation plan. MAP, money allocation plan. That's all you're doing. You're saying, I need to allocate the money that I'm coming in, and this is how I need to allocate it. And I have to make sure I have it to make it last or to meet the objectives, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a plan of how you're going to allocate it, your money will evaporate. Yeah. Um, one of the things in my class I teach people to do is if you don't have a, a, a map, if you don't have a plan, just for 30 days, just track everything you spend. Just write it down. Just write it down. Okay? Every little thing you spend, just write it down. Don't even worry about doing anything other than write it down. Then you sit back and then you look at it and say, okay, you'll be shocked. Like, wow, I spent that much money on X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, for me, it would be my garden. Okay, I spent a lot of money in my garden. This year, I probably spent forty dollars for every pound of potato I harvested because the garden was so <laughs> was bad. Most expensive was potatoes. A, <laughs> it was not a good return on my investment this year. Uh, but you'll have you'll have years like that. But <clears throat> but just write it down and then look for ways to how you might want to reallocate. If it's a priority, you you can usually find funds to do that. If it's not a priority, you won't. And again, it's just, you know, if you're in really bad financial or if you're even really good financial, it doesn't hurt to have a map because you then become the master of your money instead of money mastering you. And I think that's at the heart of, Jesus never said that money was evil, okay, or bad, okay? He said it was the root of all kinds of evil. Well, that's just because you've allowed it to pull you or direct you. You've allowed money to to become an object instead of a tool to be used by you. And you just have to break that. And sometimes it needs a coach. Yeah. So, And I'm always here yeah. so, to, to help coach. So, And I, I know you've helped a lot of people in our church. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Uh, kind of coach them how to get their finances in order and uh, kind of start a map. Mm -hmm. I guess start I should map. say, yeah, yeah start, start a map. map. I was about to say budget. Start you don't map. like that word, so yeah. I have to be careful there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to start telling Emily it's a Just, map at the beginning of the year. We're gonna we're gonna map this out instead map. of instead of it might be it might be uh, more exciting for her. Yeah, yeah. well, because then yeah. you, you see what's your destination. Right? Yeah, what's your giving destination, and then you can and then with a map. Uh -huh. What do you do if you're traveling with your map? Okay, you get your uh -huh. map and you're traveling. You're always checking. Okay, mm, am I getting closer? Ooh, how many yeah. hours? Or, or I'm only this. You can me you can measure your progress. Think of it as that. A map is to tell you how to get here, and then you can measure your progress as you go along. Then it becomes an exciting journey, not just I got to fill out a spreadsheet kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Which which makes sense because when we do when Emily and I do our budget, we don't just do our budget. We actually do kind of yearly goals. Mm -hmm. um, not just yearly goals, I guess, kind of life goals together. And we talk about those and we set those and we put those in writing and, and you know, talk about our core values and who we want to be as a family and what we hope to do and all mm -hmm. of those sorts of things. And so really the budget 
is part of all of that. The map is part the map. Of the excuse map me, the map of is part of all that. So it makes more sense to to call it a map. Um, in that case, I I like that. You know, I haven't taken your class, and so I probably should have. Um, <laughs> you're always welcome. Yeah, I need to. I'm usually always doing something when you're like teaching another class, when yeah. you're teaching that class, or yeah. have something like that going on, and so. I've never been able to take it. I have the book. It's actually behind you there. Well, uh, hey, so. sometime time, maybe what we do is I come teach a class to your to your growth group if they want to do that. Yeah, we maybe should do that. I know that some maybe. people would enjoy it. Yeah, so. some of them have yeah. probably already taken it, but yeah, a refresher isn't bad. Oh yeah, we and, have one, we have we have one guy in our group. He uh, uh, he went down to Nashville this summer, and so one of his sightseeing tours. You know where knew where he went? No, he went to Ramsey Solutions. He went to go see Dave Ramsey. <laughs> So, you know, he, he likes a lot of these concepts. <laughs> I know you, you use a, a, another guy's book. I've used... Um, it's I've very, used, all very uh, yeah, similar. Used, yeah. Hey, they all yeah. get their same information from the same book. Yeah, yeah. So, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I know some people would really enjoy it. And we all need it. I mean, we all, you know, and it's so easy to get off of your map yeah. so quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not hard to do at all. Everybody does it. But, um, uh, you know, some people don't. Um, but... A majority of us, I think, find us getting off of off of that map at times. Um, and, and then, whenever you hit a financial detour, yeah, it'll happen. Yeah, right? yeah. Just, I mean, things yeah, happen. Emergencies yeah, happen. Yeah, you gotta uh, just, you know, what are you gonna do if uh, something unexpected happens as you're traveling along from point A to point B? Right. Yeah. You gotta have a plan. You do. Yeah. You do. And yeah. um, that's why it's a good analogy. I think it's a great analogy. I, I need to. I really need to start using yeah. that instead of a budget. So I wish I would have came up with the original idea. Yeah. Then, so. Well, that's okay. <laughs> hey, it's it's all right. It's beg, borrow, and steal. That's if right. It's a good idea. Use it. Yeah. So here, last question for you, because we've been going um, for about forty-five minutes here. Uh, what advice would you give to anybody who uh, really wants to be wants to be more generous, or wants to give away more, or maybe wants to start tithing? Uh, what what advice would you give them, or what would you say to them? I, what I would say is, uh, if you're a believer, pray about it. Okay, uh, God always, you know, will give you the desires of your heart. And if you want to say, "Hey, I'm not a very generous person. I'd like to have a spirit of generosity. I'd like to be more giving." I mean, God is the biggest giver of all, right? Yeah. I mean. And I would say, you know, to pray about it, um, get some counsel. You know, it's a wise man is a guy who seeks counsel, right? Um, and just start there. Start start where you're at and say, okay, I want to do this. The thing that we tell I tell every young person is is actually to live on eighty percent of their income. Mm -hmm. Okay, not ninety percent. Yeah. What I but what I mean by that is. When you're first young and you're still in your parents' house and you eat your first paycheck, what do you really need that paycheck for? Other than selfish things that you want, you've always want to buy, you want to buy. Yeah. Okay. So I would always say, pay yourself first. Well, pay God at the time, and then take another ten percent and put it into savings. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you do that, if you save ten percent of your paycheck your whole life, there would be no need for Social Security. Because you would have enough money. If you take 10% of your money and you start investing it and you put it away wisely uh, and you do that for 40 some odd years, your earning years, mm -hmm. you will be able to retire on what you do. Which yeah. is at the heart, if you look at how God always wanted us to save, put things aside, set things aside. Read through Proverbs, all this. 
I mean, it's there. It's clearly defined. So the thing I would say to a young person is honor God mm-hmm. and then honor yourself by putting something away for what you do. And then lay on God to do it. Because then when you have that 10% extra that you're sitting on and God says, do this. And you have the money to do and help, whether it's a friend um, or anything else. And then look for those opportunities to bless other people. I do not believe in prosperity religion. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people may hear this wrong. I want to make sure. You don't give like God's a slot machine. You put it in, pull the the lever or an ATM. You put it in, you take it. No, but I really believe that if you are developing a heart of generosity and God can trust you with finances and trust you with things to be a blessing to others. He will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Yeah, I, I truly believe that. He's not going to bless you just so you can enrich yourself. That's prosperity gospel. Yeah. Prosperity gospel, at the heart of it, is selfish. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give God money so he has to bless me. No, no. You have to create that thing and desire to God, I will bless people as you bless me. The more you bless me, the more I'll bless others. Yeah. Yeah. You do that and see how that doesn't radically change your outlook in life and everything else. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. I, so. I think that's really true. Um, you know, some of the studies I read, I think one of the things we falsely say to ourselves is, when I have more, I'll give more. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I read, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes, like people actually give more, but in reality, in percentages, they give less. Yeah. And so, if you don't foster that heart yeah. of generosity when you're young or when you have a little, when you have a lot, you're not going to give a lot. You'll you'll continue, and you know, obviously, these are statistics, and and but the the trend is is that you will actually you will give less yeah. um, if you don't learn how to give more when you don't have a lot. Yeah. It's really interesting, um, you know. If it's not, if it doesn't become part of who you are, right now, or when you're young, or when you're just starting out, it's not. It's unlikely it's going to be who you are when you've made it. If you know, if you ever, if if you ever make it, whatever that is, right. Um, and so, I think I think that's a great piece of advice. One, pray about it because God isn't going to tell you not to be generous. Right now, he 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 might help guide you into some ways to do it responsibly or or whatever. Maybe not to do it responsibly, just to do it hilariously, like like the Bible kind of yeah. teaches us um, in that way. I just mean to be super generous. I, you know, I know people who live, and usually they're people who make a decent amount of money, yeah. right? Who live off the ten percent and give away ninety. Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's hilarious giving. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I think as you say, you need to you need to start you need to start now. Yeah. Um, you know, because yeah. the, there's never a good time to start giving no. in my mind. You yeah. know, I've thought about this in my own life and I've talked about with, I've talked with other people who've come to me and just say, Hey Josh, I want to talk about giving. Some of them are quite well off. Yeah. They just say, well, I can't do it right now. They just give me a ton of reasons. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm listening and just kind of evaluating my own situation and going like, man, I, I wish I had those problems, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like yeah. I wish I had those financial problems. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's beside the point. What I learned from that is just that if you're not willing to give when you have a little, um, or when it's inconvenient, you probably won't give when it's convenient. Yeah. I'll share this story. Uh When I was working in a factory, going to school and, uh, the company I was working for was really big. They wanted 
the the annual drive most yeah. people know i won't say the charity but through the workplace everybody should be giving and and he wanted 100 percent participation every one of you and he would give speeches of why we should be generous and we should fund this and this yeah. minister this this charity does a lot of good works and things like that and then i was really on a tight budget and i was giving money to my church mm-hmm. and he asked and i signed i put it in at zero and the foreman come back and says Oh, the owner's not going to like you. You got to put something down. Yeah. And I says, I can't afford to. I I can't. I said, I'm going to put zero down. He says, you know, he's going to come talk to you. I says, he can come talk. So, sure enough, the president will come and come talk. And says, I don't know why you put zero. Everybody else. Said, yeah. And I said, like I said, I'll I'll tell you what I'll do. I says, if you, I will match percentage wise and give to your charity. If you will match my charity. With the same percentage of your income, mm-hmm. and he looked at me and he says, "How much?" I said, "I give ten percent to my church. If you give ten percent of your salary to the church, I'll give whatever percentage you give <laughs> to your charity. I'll, yeah. I'll 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 sign up for." Yeah. He says, "Well, the thing here is that I know you're a generous person, so we'll just go." Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I say that to say that, yeah, yeah. yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. How much you make, whether yeah. you're the president of a company yeah. or you're just a, a laboring guy in a, in a printing press area. Yeah. The thing of it is, is you have to start with a generous heart and you just got to let God show up. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you yeah. do that, you, I can guarantee you it will not be anything you'll be sorry for if you start fostering an attitude uh, of generosity. You yeah. will not be disappointed. I can tell you that. Yeah. I've never met one person that's ever been uh, sorry they gave 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 things away that's 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 I'm, there might be one out there but i've <laughs> never met them so. no that's that's good one last thing real quick before we stop is i've never i've never approached somebody to have a conversation about them why they're not giving or not generous that's that's always them who've come to me to talk about that i've never i, I don't i don't i don't <laughs> poke around and ask people about why they're not giving or a certain amount and so just so you know um, those conversations were started by other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I want to thank you for listening to the First Church Podcast, and thanks, Scott, for being here. I, I feel like this conversation was great and uh, would be a good lesson for anybody um, if they uh, want to grow in faith and uh, understand how their uh, finances can can work uh, and also how um, we, we grow in faith when we give. Yeah. Uh, and in faithfulness. And so I think that's really important for people to know. Well, thank you, Scott, for being here. You're welcome. And uh, that wraps up the First Church Podcast for today.